0: Hey everyone, it's Ariel Hawani, and I wanted to let you know that each and every week I'm part of a great program called The Ringer MMA Show. I host it alongside two absolutely brilliant minds. Their names, Chuck Mindenhall and Pete C. Carroll, and every Thursday a new episode drops where we preview the weekend in mixed martial arts and react to all the biggest news. Plus, after every UFC pay-per-view, we give you a post-fight show. So, this is what you have to do. Just follow the Ringer MMA show on your Spotify app so you don't miss an episode. We'll talk to you then. On today's episode of One Shining Podcast, we have a good one for you. It feels great to be back. The offseason is settling in. And I decided to have one of the people that I consider a mentor, especially in the basketball world. His name is BJ Armstrong. He's a three-time NBA champion for the Chicago Bulls. He was the backcourt partner to a man you may have heard of. His name was Michael Jordan. BJ's got all the stories. He is, like I said, been someone that has kind of shepherded me into a world where I went from, you know, a, a journalist, uh, a fan, whatever you want to call it. Uh, he's like, let's watch the game like we're supposed to. He's helped with my scouting. He's helped with, you know, growing up. He taught me a lot about how to handle myself both on the court and off the court, which is something we'll get into a little bit later, which is going to be fun. So, BJ's a great guest. Excited to talk about everything that's happening in the world of basketball. Maybe some Win Benyama. He's following this man all over the world. So, he's got the insights. He's got the updates. It's going to be a fun episode. We'll also do some college basketball stuff. A little dump at the end because... Again, it's a college basketball show. I can't deviate too far from the plan. It is One Shining Podcast. That's what we do here. Shout out to Zach Edy. He's testing the waters. We'll talk a little bit about that at the end of the show. Um, Kyle, we're back in the studio today. How's it feel?
1: Feels great. BJ called Tate a genius, and he blushed. But
0: first, Woody Durham. He like the time. Now joining us on One Shining Podcast, he is the one man that I uh, consider my basketball mentor. He is someone that when I met uh, a few years back, I said a lot of things about the game of basketball. He said, stop talking to me like a fan. (laughs) <laughs> talk to me like a, talk to me like someone that understands the game of basketball. And, now you're uh, talking. He helped me a lot along the way. He is, of course, I call him the guard guru. He is BJ Armstrong. BJ, thanks so much for coming on One Shining Podcast, man. Oh man, you're the best.
2: You're you're the best. Take you're, you're you're my guy and. Uh... I'm so happy. You're so proud of you. So it, it's great to be on. Appreciate you having me on. And uh, you talk to the old guy. You know, you, you're 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 like one or two uh, guys, uh, 40 and under to talk to me. You know, you're, you're, you're you know, I coach 40 and under. You're what, what, how old are you? You're, are you? I just 30? turned. I
0: just turned 30. You 30. Know I mean? Yeah, that's
2: Yeah. So you know, you're still you're still uh, 30 years old.
0: Wow. What a, what a great that's a great age. So, uh, but no, that's great. It's a great time and it's great to see you. And uh, like I said, you and I have been talking basketball. We did a little podcast called Pushing through together for a few years and uh, talked a lot of uh, NBA basketball. And I want to start there because obviously the playoffs are going on right now. But you were the first person that I talked to about one specific player. And you said to me, Tate, it is no question he's the best player in basketball. And you were saying this to me back in around, you know, 2018, 2019. And his name is Giannis Antetokounmpo. And I wanted to start there because I feel like that's where the buck stops, pun intended, when it comes (laughs) to the NBA right now. He goes down in game one. But can we just talk about the greatness of Giannis and and what stood out to you about Giannis? And why did you know so early he's special?
2: Well, you know, well, you know, first of all, it's, it's a great question. And as you, you know, watch basketball and you look at it, you know, we tend to look at stats and look at all of the things that just pop right out at you. You know, a guy has 45 points or whatever, and you go, wow, that guy has, you know, great. Because we, we automatically associate the best player with scoring the most points. And my background say, has always been in scouting. That's the one thing that I wanted to learn and be better than anyone else, right? It's one thing to watch a game, but it's another thing to scout the game. And I think it's just probably I've played so long and I always wanted to know what made a great player. And the thing that stood out with me with Giannis was how impactful he was in an era where we were living at that particular time and still are to some degree in a small ball era. And here was a guy that can't shoot or they said he couldn't shoot. You know, he wasn't shooting threes and he didn't rely on a jump shot. But somehow, someway, the Milwaukee Bucks, were all they were always right there. And he was the main reason why. And no matter how the game, you know, whatever turn it takes, the one thing remains the same. You got to defend, you got to rebound, and you got to share the ball. And he does those things naturally. I mean, Tate, he defends. He's Defensive Player of the Year. He rebounds. He's phenomenal. Okay. And he passes the ball. And once he learned how to pass the ball to, to keep the defense honest, game over. Now, he has one more piece to put to this. To his, you know, to his repertoire, to his, uh, what he does as a player, and that's to sh- have a consistent jump shot. Once he does that, you have no chance. Thank goodness that the basketball gods didn't give him everything because there's <laughs> nothing literally you can do with this guy. I mean, he plays at a tremendous—I mean, he just plays the game. He's fearless. He plays physical. He plays through the contact. He'll jump over you. He'll jump around you. He'll jump through you. He has big hands he, so he can take on the double team. He defends. Terrific leadership. So like I said, just to give the rest of us mere mortals a chance, he doesn't have a a consistent jump shot. In spite of that, he's still the best player. So it's just he's a phenomenal combination of what he does and what he brings to the floor. But that's what I saw in him, because you don't see that combination often, right, where you see a guy who is that impactful at all three levels, right? He defends, he rebounds, and he passes the ball at an elite level. And by the way, he can go get you 30 points in 30 minutes. Every single night he steps on the floor.
0: And, he and he had that's 50, without a jump shot. And he had 50 points in a finals game without a jump shot. And he yeah. guarded, Uh, you know, I mean, the most famous player, the, the play that lives in my mind, rent-free, is, you know, he guards the driver and he guards the lob to it's Aiden and, and gets the block. And I mean, I think you and I, I remember us watching that game and yeah. we were just like, that is, that is special. I mean, that, yeah, there's nobody he just, like
2: that. Yeah. He's, he's just an incredible, incredible talent. And, you know, it's scary to think he's still getting better. There's room for improvement I, and he's not a complete player yet. And I say complete player, he still has things that he can be more consistent, you know? And like I said, if he, if he gets a three ball tape, it's, it's over. If, if he, if he could shoot 30 to 35% consistently from three, it's I mean literally take he'll go on or he'll go on a Bill Russell type run, mm. all right. If he gets a consistent jump shot from you know let's say the free throw line extended, yeah okay maybe he'll win five out of six. But uh, you know what I mean he's that good. I mean he's just that impactful of a player,
0: and he's uh you know I think the the amazing thing about Giannis too where you know I remember during the finals run in 2021 when we were talking there was an interview with Drew Holiday and he basically was like we have so much belief in our team because we know that Giannis is always going to be there in the bi- in the battle, in the fight. And in one of the finals games, he had to check it himself out because he couldn't catch his breath because he was so excited and so fired up in one of these games. And one of the things that sticks with me that you said about Giannis, he's always in the gym, right? And, and I yes. think that's the other underrated part about Giannis is like there's a lot of conversations about what a superstar is supposed to be doing, but we know that Giannis is always in the gym, no matter what. Win, lose, or draw, he's going to be in the gym.
2: Yeah, you know, Tate he 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 has a mindset and you got to love that about him. He has a competitive spirit. Tate that's just incredible. It's just you you have it or you don't. I wish I knew I wish I had the secret formula to bring it out in every player, but when you watch him play, Tate he brings it. And he brings it like that every single time and I just admire that about him and he lays it out on the line. I mean, Tate I mean, I would be shocked if he doesn't come back. And the fact that he didn't come back in the last game, I was shocked. Because you know what? He's, I mean, the injury he had in the playoffs a couple of years ago. We thought, thought he had an ACL no tear. Yeah, I, I thought, uh, I, I can't, I couldn't even say what I thought it was. Because, you know, I don't want to see any player get hurt. However, the fact that he somehow came back from that, I was like, wow. But I, hopefully he's back. I know the I know the Bucks fans, Buck Nations, hope he's back you know the heater saying stay out as long as you need <laughs> but i'm going to tell you what he is just an incredible player and he has the respect of his peers and the respect of all of us basketball fans who you know watch the game closely because um he's in my opinion the best player right now in today's game
0: one thing i wanted to ask you you talked about being a scout and that that's something that's in your dna and something that you've built up over time and you know, I've asked you over the years, what is the, the perfect basketball player? Obviously you played with Michael Jordan. A lot of people think he is the greatest basketball player ever, but you've also scouted a lot of great players over the years. I mean, I remember you were telling me a story one time where you drove down to see Kawhi Leonard, right? When he was at San right. Diego State, Steve Fisher mm-hmm. told you about that. You saw Giannis Antetokounmpo in Greece in like a, yeah. a second you know, tier league game, and he was just a, a teenager yelling on the sidelines, right? And now you have another project or another player that everyone's fascinated by because oh, he has wow. all those talents. He has all those intangibles. They're saying he's the best prospect we've seen in basketball, maybe ever, and it's Victor Wimbenyama. And I know you've seen him up close and personal. What have you seen from him? And as you know, as you put your scouting hat on, what are the things that Victor Wimbenyama checks that makes you think he could be one of those premier guys?
2: Well, Tate, when you say... A talent, okay. When you say a talent, you say, okay, does he have the size to dominate his position? Check. All right. And when I say size, size is not only your height, your length, but you know, you can have like your girth is a size. Like Shaq had both. He had girth and he was like seven, seven, one. So check. This guy is seven five. <laughs> okay. Legit. But yeah. So he has length. So as he ages, he's still going to be seven, five. Okay. That that's, that's a, that's a huge thing. So when you find players that are, ha, that has length for their position, but they can play smaller, you go, wow. And vice versa. Sometimes like for instance, Dwayne Wade, Dwayne Wade was only about six, three, but he played much bigger than that. Okay. Charles Barkley is probably, the prototype, if you said, here was a guy who played the power forward position in an era that was very physical, and he was only about 6'4", and he dominated. So he, was a, he played small. He was an undersized player who played much bigger. So you look for the guys who play, who play bigger than what they are, and you look for guys who are tall, but they play smaller. Scottie Pippen, for instance, you know he played like a guard. So you, know, you always look for that combination. Then you start looking at the way the game is played. And that's probably been the biggest shift. The game has changed, right? Now, you know, you didn't see seven-footers shooting threes like you do now. This guy can really shoot. He's going to walk in the door and already be a stretch, whatever he wants to be. Now, I can't can't believe watching his skill set that he's just going to be a center. He's just going to be a player of some sort. And then you got to figure out as you go on the fly what he'll eventually be because his greatest asset as a player that I see as a young player is his abil- is his versatility because he literally shoots like a guard. He blocks shots like the best shot blocker in today's NBA. He runs like the wind. He doesn't have the girth yet, but you know, you're going to wait on that. He's, he look he has broad shoulders. He looks like he's going to fill out at some point and he has a skill set. right? He has big hands so he can pass the ball. He has a handle Tate that rivals your handle. Cause you know, I have seen you dribble out there in the backyard. He has a handle <laughs> like yours. Okay. And he's got a terrific feel for the game as a young man. Like, like Tate, he can pass out of a double team right now. Some guys play in this league 10, 11 years. Some guys at the center position never learned how to pass. Well, Tate, he can drop you a dime right now. Okay. He just has everything that you go to check. Now, there's two things we you can't evaluate, you can't scout. You can't scout what's in a man's mind, and you can't scout what's in his heart. Now, what I'm interested to see is what's gonna happen the first time he gets hit by Joel Embiid, Jokic, and these other guys. Giannis. Giannis. Now, what what's gonna happen? Like, does he get he does he get, you know, does he get knocked off the horse and then get back in the saddle? That I don't know. How's he gonna adjust to? The NBA game, it's a different game than what he's used to playing abroad in FIBA rules. Those are the things I can't answer right now. However, just looking at the, his potential, wow, what a talent, I mean, he has it all. I mean, he, he literally has it all. It's very exciting because Tate, he, he will be as unique of a talent as a player that
0: you and I will see. Yeah, we talked to Ralph Sampson at the All-Star game. I think that was uh, 2020 in Chicago. I remember you and I were talking to him, and we were asking right. about guys his size and, and the evolution of the game. And he was kind of saying to us, if they had had the green light, the freedom to shoot like that, for, you know, they probably would. So do you view, like you said, it was every 30 years or so, do you think that Wimbenyama, is, is Sampson probably the best example? He's Ralph Sampson with the step back, right? <laughs> that's, that's probably the best example of who he probably reminds people of.
2: You know the more i you know Ralph was interesting because he was doing something you knew he could do more like back then Tate the game was played from the inside out, right, okay, that's the way the game was played now, Tate, with the three ball, the game is played from the outside in okay so there it, there's been a huge shift, okay Jordan was a was a perimeter player. Who secretly, you know, wink, wink. I'm not. I don't want to disclose the the, the real secret. He was a six six center that no one figured out because no one had ever seen a player at six six play the center position because his post game and his ability to take on a double team was unparalleled. Like, we had had never seen that before.
0: And you used to not have to double a guard. You would only double a big, but he was getting doubled just because of his talent, but he was able to pass on the double team because of his hand size, right? That's something we always talk about. So
2: he could pass with one. The key to being a great player, in my opinion, one of the keys, is you have to be able to pass with one hand because when you do get double team, it allows you to have the length that's necessary to pass over or around the defense. We see it with Kawhi Leonard all the time now. Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard, like, like I was watching him last night, and it's just not fair because he has, it's like a, it's like a it's like a cheat code. He has like enormous hands, so he just does things with one hand, and you're just so you're you're not used to seeing a guy move the ball around like that with one hand. So he just plays like with no effort, and he, by the way, he's playing fantastic basketball about the last month of the season. And he, if he's not the best player, okay, name me another one that's playing better than him right now. He's been sensational. But, you know, Michael just, Michael figured it out. He figured out how to play from the post as a 6'6 player. And then he sprinkled in his perimeter things with along with his skill set and his ability to dominate. Then that's what you have. He just kind of put it all together. And before we knew what was going on, it was like, oh, wow, this guy might be the greatest of all time because we hadn't seen a player with this skill set doing it from the positions on the floor because those positions were reserved for Wilt Chamberlain, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Willis Reed. Bill Cartwright. Bill Cartwright. Those guys dominated the game. You know, Bill Russell and those guys dominated the game. And all of a sudden, here was a a 6'6 guy who was doing the same thing. And then when you did start double teaming him, he would go to the pinch post where you can't double team. So, it was fascinating to watch him, but I'm really excited to see this kid, Victor Wembanyama.
0: Yeah, and uh, one last thing on Victor, I know you've seen him in person. You went over to Europe, you scouted him a little bit, just to you know see what it looked like in person. Where do you think, you know, and we don't have to forecast too much, but like what, what is a good ideal fit for a Victor, Victor Wimbenyama, you know, as far as not really a franchise per se, but just like what are the, the key ingredients to put him in a, in a situation where maybe he is like a Magic Johnson where he comes in as a rookie and contributes at a high level or like a Derrick Rose where Derrick went to Chicago and immediately results are happening on the court because of his play. It, what, what kind of system would that be for Victor?
2: Well, Tate, I I, I learned this from you, and that's why I was I'm always so appreciative of you taking the time to do a podcast with the with an old guy like me. Right. And. Being around young people, Tate, at my age has 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 taught me this. You're going to make a choice as you mature and as you get older, you can have a fixed mindset and think, oh, I know it all. Or you can have an open mindset and say, I'm open to learning because evolution is going to occur. And I learned so much from you, Tate, because you taught me that I got to be open to with this new game. It's a different game, right? I can't be the guy, oh, well, back in our day, this is how we did it. No, like, I never imagined watching a player like Steph Curry have the impact he's having on the game because that was like unheard of, that a six three guy would just be shooting threes with no conscience to it and just chuck them up. And then that's the way you play. Like you, that that never occurred. Like every time I watch him, I go, people ask me this all the time. Hey, wouldn't it be fun to play in this era? I would be like, no, I wouldn't know how to play in this era. I would not know how to just come down and chuck up a three off the first, off the first pass or just dribble up and shoot a three. Like Tate, I'm not even, it doesn't even occur to me that I could just dribble up, look Michael Jordan off, look Scottie Pivot off, and just chuck it up. <laughs> like, like Tate, it never occurred to me that that was even a possibility. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Michael had the ultra purple light, and he never did that. You know what I mean? Like, when I watch him and Damian Lillard and these guys, I go, God, it's just, like, it, it's so foreign to me. I start cheering for him all the time because I'm like, That's the greatest thing I've ever seen. Like, I wouldn't even do that in the backyard. I wouldn't even look my own kids off. I would, like, pass them the ball, pass it back to me. Then I would shoot it. These guys just do things I've never imagined possible in an NBA game. And it's fascinating to me. So, you know, Victor, I, I, you know, getting back to Victor, you got to have an open mindset, whoever drafts him.
0: Right, because, you have to be willing to let him play point guard, maybe, or or he's the, he's the three. You know, he's he's playing small forward. He, he can't just force him into the five and say yeah, that's yeah. who you are.
2: Let, let me tell you this. Let me tell you. Let me tell you what I what I've come to understand. He doesn't have the body yet to play the five. Right. Because if he
0: does, Joel Embiid's going to make him. Uh, they're they're yeah. just going to
2: because yeah, it's going be tough because of the weight disparity. Right. He's I don't know what he weighs, but he he's not a he's not 250, 260. Brooke Lopez and all these guys are just going to wear him down if you just put him at the center position. And let me tell you this. No knock against Rudy Gobert. He's a multiple defensive player of the year. He's not Rudy Gobert. He's just not a guy who you put at the center position and, you know, he gets alley-oops and he'll block shots. No, he's not that. Okay? He's not a power forward in the sense that he's not a guy who's just going to do the dirty work, anchor the defense, and, you know, patrol the lane and and be the physical enforcer. He's not that, okay? He's not going to be Kevin Durant, where he's just going to chuck up and get 30 points a night. He may evolve to that, but he's not that now. But what you can figure out with him is, if you p- just let him bounce around a little bit, some nights he may have the advantage as a five. Some nights it may be at the three. Some nights t- it may be at the two. Some nights they may be at the four because they got stretch players there. Like, you know, what's the kid from, uh, you know, Franz Wagner and those guys.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. 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 He may play against those guys and that may be one night, but then when he plays against Draymond, that might be too physical for him right now. Not that he can't play that way someday. He may not be able to play against Sabonis and those guys right now. However, Maybe in this series, if he's playing against Sacramento, maybe the Keegan Murray and Harrison Barnes might be a good matchup for him at seven five. Mm. Because you follow you just got to figure out, you know, where he fits. And I think he's going to force whatever organization, whatever coach, to say, "Hey, I got to have an open mindset." Just like when I when I was when you and I were doing the podcast, I got to have an open mindset. It's a new day. It's a new era, and I got to figure out how to. Fit in. It's basketball, but it's a new way to do it. And because if you just put him in one place, I think you're missing Victor. He, I don't know what he is. Tate. All I know is I've seen him do things I've never seen a man his size do. Mm. No, never. It, it's not like a, it's, it's not a comparable. Like like yeah, Ralph could do a little of some of the things, but Ralph didn't have a handle like this. Now, if the big game, if big game, or Ralph is one of my favorite players. But if he did, he didn't show that. This guy has a in and out between the legs with a step back from three. Like, what? <laughs> I saw the guy miss a three the other night, get his own rebound, and dunk it on the same play. He shoots a three, runs to the basket, and dunks it on the same play. Like, tape. That's humanly impossible. Except for Victor. He will do things that will, will, will go, that's just not normal. He's, when you say, I don't know, a freak in nature, when you say something like that, you're literally talking about him. He will do, I'm telling all the NBA players now, I tell all my clients, you better beat him early. Because if he figures it out, <laughs> it's a wrap. He, he's that good. Now, whether or not he has all the other things, I saw him and I saw Giannis at the same age. Hey. This this guy is way far advanced than Giannis. And look at Giannis. If he can get his body to where Giannis's body is at, Tate, this league stands no chance. No mm. chance. Mm.
0: And you talked about that uniqueness, right? And I think that's like a, a fair point to make. And even like a Magic Johnson, right? He's a six-nine point guard, but in the finals, he plays center, right? And he helps yep. them mm-hmm. win the NBA Finals. And that talks goes back to that unique quality of, yes, they may be this thing and we can put them in a box. But in reality, you have to have an open mind when you look at the basketball court. And one of the things, Derek Rose is you know, one of your clients. And obviously, you and Derek are close. One of the things that Derek said to, to us one time on the air was, every player is searching for freedom. Right yes. They're all looking for a certain amount of freedom on the court. And I think if someone, a coach, a franchise, or whatever it is gives Victor that freedom, I think that he has a chance to be, like you said, a special special player. And I want to go back to Derek and talking about, you know, being able to kind of pick it up quickly because you witnessed that firsthand when he was in Chicago. I was just a college student. I've never seen, you know, obviously the youngest MVP ever at twenty two. Um, he seemed like he had just figured out a lot of things early, but before he was supposed to. I remember the press conference where they asked him what his goal of the season was. He said to win MVP. Some people chuckled, and then he went on to win MVP that season. Mm-hmm. What kind of special quality did you see early on in Derek? And, and how unique was that experience just as someone that played with Michael and played at that high level and then seeing it from an agent perspective, seeing the success so early? Well, you know, take, you know,
2: and, and, you know, unfortunately I didn't have this quality. Right. I, I, you know, some people just have natural gifts, you know, and when I say I didn't have this quality, I just wasn't like, like some people are just like incredibly smart, like yourself. Like, you know what I mean? Like you, 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 you just got it. <laughs> Einstein just had it. Like, you know what I mean? Like some people just, they just got it. You're like, man, how did this person get smart? You know, some people have to work at it. Some people just got it. Right. Those people who just got it, they can take very complex things and make it incredibly simple. So here's a game plan, right? You you talk about these Magic Johnsons, Larry Birds, Michael Jordans. They got these, you know, the coaches are going over all of this mumble-jumble coverages, what we're going to do, isolations. We got 100 players on the board. But for them, it's incredibly simple. They got one goal is to win. Uh, think about it. They got one goal. Like, yeah, you asked Derek about the MVP, but the MVP wasn't what he was trying to do. He just wanted to do one thing, just win. Well, what about scoring? Yeah, you know, I'll I'll score if I have to, but I'll just do what I got to do to win. So I look for players who have a very, they make the game incredibly simple. Like when we say all of these things, right, who's got the best jump shot? Like Steph Curry and all of these things and da da da. Steph Curry plays to win. That's the bottom line. He everything he's achieved, deservingly so, was because of his ability to win and win in a very high level at an elite level over an extended amount of time. That's the bottom line. Now it's not to get MVPs. It's not to get scoring titles. Those things come along. Those things are nice, but the really Great players, they've made it incredibly simple. You when you, and when you meet like, like a genius, you'll be like, why is why 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 are they so why are they never stressed? It's because life is simple to them. They're like, yeah, like yeah, this, this is simple. Yeah, all we got to do is win the game, and everything else will take care of itself. What what about the coverages? It doesn't really matter. Let's just win the game. And if you see that in a player, like I saw in Derek, I thought well, here's a kid. All he wanted to do was win. Do you, what, what, you care about, like, you know, you, you care about the assist title? Not really, B. You care about being first in the draft? Not really. Just let me know, because all I want to do is win. And then with the winning, like, we never set out to be, or he never set out to be the youngest MVP. He never set out to be D. Rose. He never, all of the other stuff just came, that was just, that just came with it. What he set out to be was, a winning basketball player. Just think about that tape. All the other stuff is just, you know, people got goals, you know. He What about rookie of the year? Oh, that's nice, but I just want to win in my 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 rookie year. Like, Derek, do you think you can be a scorer? Well, not really. But you had 36 as a rookie in the, in your first playoff game. Well, I just I was just trying to win that day. I just had to do what I had to do. That's how he thinks. He, he it doesn't it never occurred to him what he was doing cuz I remember after the game, he scored 36 in his very first playoff game. And I remember he called me immediately following the game and he go, damn, we lost. <laughs> and I was like, Hey man, you just did something. No one's done in the history of the NBA. And he's like, man, we lost. And, and, and that's the, that's the beauty of watching some of these geniuses play is because it's just incredibly simple. Like, Hey man, I I'm just trying to win the game. Like you don't care about the stats. Not, no, doesn't matter. I I I didn't have to shoot tonight because we such and such were playing. So that's what I love. I love that more than any other aspect of the game because that isn't learned. That's just that's just who you are. And and you can't teach people to do that.
0: Yeah, it's kind of an innate. And I remember uh in that series when it was Rondo versus Derek. And I remember it was kind of like two basketball geniuses that approached it totally differently. And I remember Derek was talking about it was really hard to guard Rondo because like he doesn't have to score to affect the game. And he was like, every time I go into a game, I'm uh, like, I'm trying to hold you under your average. But he was like, with Rondo, I didn't really know how to stop him because he was going to have an impact regardless. I thought that was fascinating. uh,
2: uh, You know what, Tate? Now, how many other players would actually see that? You know what I mean? Like, you know, I said, there's three things you have to do. You have to defend, you have to rebound, and you have to pass the ball. Rondo is a, at one point, he was a very, very, he was a terrific defender. Mm -hmm. Phenomenal rebounder for his size. And we know he could pass the ball as well as any guard, right? He, I mean, he had some years where you're like, man, if he wasn't the best, he was certainly in the conversation. So when you understand winning, suddenly you see, well, Oh, man, this dude is gonna he's gonna impede my progress from winning because he can affect the game by not having to get twenty five see that that's that's what the great players see. They know what it takes to win. The other guys are just you know, and I'm not saying it's, it's a lot of players just don't have the ability to do it. When you see a player who wants to win, Tate, it's a whole different ball game. That's what makes the playoffs great because you see. The great players separate themselves as they go from round and round and round and round, right? You know, you saw Donovan Mitchell the other night score 38 points, right, in game one versus the Knicks. He has 13 assists in game two, and they just blow him out. Well, what happened? Because now winning is a priority. Not to say that winning wasn't priority in game one. You got to figure this thing out. And when you see these phenomenal players figure it out at the level like Magic Johnson. He's, I mean, think about it. Magic Johnson wasn't a scorer, but he did what he had to do. Every single night, he, you know, he people say, well, he wasn't a good defender. He was a great help defender. Rebound the ball off the charts. And of course, we know passing guy was just, the guy was unreal. St- he is the level of excellence for any guard that's ever played the game. Mm. So when you see these things, then there's no question. and there's, And then you start saying, well, now I understand why he went to the finals eight times in 10 years and he won five championships. Think about that Tate. He went to the finals eight times in 10 years and won five championships. And he, and he wasn't even an elite scorer. <laughs> I mean, some of these guys are just they're just unreal players. I mean, and so, you know, just figuring out how to win tape, making the game incredibly simple. Easier said than done.
0: One of the things I wanted to ask you about, just uh, I remember, you know, you used to have this gym in Santa Monica. You would have players come out and that was kind of mm-hmm. like leading into the draft. You'd have a little showcase with guys. And one summer in particular we've talked about is the the 2008 summer. And, you know, you had obviously Derek there. You had Russell Westbrook there.
1: You wow. had Kevin
0: Love there. You had Brooke wow. Lopez there. Wow. right? And all these guys are in the gym. Maybe KD was there. I can't remember. Yep, but, yep, yep. So you have all these guys in this gym. They They are... You know, they are young, they are are hungry, they're looking for, you know, what their future might be. And then you reflect back on that, and you've seen all these guys. And, you know, Brooke Lopez is still the franchise leader for the Nets and Points, right? And even though he's adjusted and changed who he is as a big, Kevin Love, you know, what what his career has been. Russell Westbrook, who's now, you know, looking great in the playoffs and, you know, triple-double king, all that sort of stuff. What was it like seeing all of them at that age and, and, and being able to witness kind of the start of their journey? And then now you see them and they're still thriving and we're, you know, a decade plus in the league.
2: Yeah, you know, well, first, like I said, I, I, I always wanted to be the very best scout. And the reason being is because that is your lifeblood as an executive or coach. You got to be able to know what you're seeing, mm-hmm. right? You know what I mean? You know, you, you got a great playbook but you miss Kevin Durant when he comes in the gym because you go, oh, this guy's too skinny. He'll never be this. And then you go, wait a minute. I had a chance to get Kevin Durant and I missed (laughs) him. Okay. Mm -hmm. Or if you're an executive, you don't draft that guy. All right. Just you saying that reminds me of like, why I have to stay sharp and why I have to continue to watch the game and why I have to continue evolve and have an open mindset. Because let me tell you something. I never imagined that Derrick Rose was going to be an MVP. I certainly never imagined that Russell Westbrook was going to be an MVP. Okay, Kevin Durant, you said he'll probably score enough points to be in the conversation one day, but he's got to get stronger. He's got to get all these other things. And you're like, you know, he wasn't Kevin Durant at that time, right? You know, you. But the one thing that I did see with all three of those guys and Kevin Love was in the gym, you know, Danilo Gallinari was in the gym and Brooke Lopez, by the way, real quick story, Brooke Lopez. Brooke Lopez was the best player in the gym because physically he was so dominant. Like, Brooke could always score. Like, I mean, Brooke came in the league was a low post 20 point scorer in this league. To watch him now play as a stretch five, is one of the greatest transformations I've ever seen. Okay. When we would play one-on-one or two-on-two, Brooke would always win. Everybody wanted to play with Brooke because no one could stop Brooke. But the one thing I will say about all of those players, they showed up every single day. Now, the most impressive thing about watching Russell Westbrook, Derrick Rose, and Kevin Durant, especially when they were young, was they could do whatever they wanted to do Monday through Friday, no matter what happened the night before. (laughs) Okay. And, 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 I have I, I, you know, I, 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 I love being around the guy. If there's one thing I love more than the game is just being around the guys and just talking, like, as you know, Tate. Like, <laughs> we we, I mean, we you, saw it, uh,
0: <laughs> you know, at all-star weekend in Chicago, like me, you, Dominique Wilkins, yeah, Michael, yeah. Dude, we, we were up just telling stories all night. It was great. I yeah, learned a lot I mean, that night. I was like, I think Dominique Wilkins is the GOAT.
2: <laughs> yeah, Dominique Wilkins, like, like. Like there's nothing better. Like the the only thing I miss about playing in the NBA is the is the is the bus ride to the plane mm. because that's where all the stories happen. You know what I mean? you're talking. So, <laughs> you know the one thing that I will say about those three guys was it was very impressive that they could repeat every single night. And then I gave them the one rule. It, there's only one rule for a professional, in my mind. Right? It's it's a like a rule that that you know I, I saw from like the vets like the old vets prior to my generation and they say they have one rule you go hard on the court and you go hard off the court <laughs> and, if you, and if you can't do one of the if you can't do one of them give up the other and we would laugh about that go hard on the court <laughs> go hard off the court but if you can't do one of them give up the other. That's the first sign of being a pro. So it became a running joke who could go the hardest, not on the court, but off the court and repeat it. So we would do silly things like this. There would be a Friday night function, we'll just call it a function. And then we would have like a 7 a.m. workout on Saturday just to see who was going to show up. And we would all laugh to see who wasn't going to show up because they couldn't go hard. And all of those guys would show up and it would be the greatest workout. Now, no telling what these guys did the night before. And I don't want to give away what it smelled like in that gym the next day. (laughs) But I'm going to tell you what, we've never had more fun because they got the joke. And they got it. And those guys were all professionals from day one. Now, it was just unique to see one guy do it at that age but you had three guys. Well, all, Kevin De, Kevin Love and Brooke Lopez and all they all were. And it was just a running joke with that group and and looking back on it it was the greatest probably the greatest my greatest time as an agent working with those guys cuz I got a chance to see excellent. I mean, there were three MVPs in that group. Mm. 3. Like I I you know, we were just like Guy just I just wanted them to, I just wanted to see which guy wasn't going to show up, and they all would show up. and you like some of them like, I don't want to give it away, but some of them put it like this, they had to change clothes when they got to the gym at 7 a.m on Saturday. <laughs> but they showed up though, and then it was we had so much fun because they were learning what it meant to be a pro. And that's what being a pro is all about, but what a great group. Great guys. They've had, They've all had amazing career. I mean, watching Kevin Durant, I was watching him last night. Man, how good is he? I mean, he's just so, his composure, what he does. Watching Russell change his game. You know, Derek is not playing as much, but the fact that he's still playing at this age. Brooke Lopez, still playing. Kevin Love, still playing. I mean, this is like unbelievable stuff to watch these guys. And they're all like in year 15. And a I mean, wow. So it was a true blessing to work with those guys. To, and we had some, and I tell you, we had some good times, some fun time. I mean, we have more laughs probably than anything. I I I'm probably the worst workout guy ever, because all I want to do is just laugh. And, just, <laughs> and it just but having fun is part of it. You work harder when you're having fun. Especially because all
0: those guys love the game. You know what I mean? Oh, That's, yeah.
2: And, 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 and we loved it. And I remember that all those guys. All those guys, uh, they went over to play in the USA basketball. And it was it was like, it was was like just like fun. I'm sure Coach K was like, what is going on? What is the joke? Why are you, all you guys always laughing? We, it, it was just like, it was funny. Like, you know, who's not going to show up tomorrow? Like, you know, in any era, like when I see those guys now, I'd be like, okay. Hey, you know the rules? What's, what's the rule?
0: You and, know what I mean? And that that that, that was the 2010 World Games, right? That's when yeah, you guys... So yeah, it, like, it was... Derek was the starter, right? I was looking yeah. at the backcourt. Derek's the starter. Westbrook's the backup, but he's kind of playing like the two guard. Curry. Steph Curry was... Curry yes. is their third-string
2: point string, guard. How about that? Steph Curry, I know. We talk about... Kevin Durant was there. Lamar... It was a, unbelievable. It just... I'm telling you, you just never know. Steph Curry was on the team. I mean, and... To, I mean, like... I never, I never, I didn't see this coming. Like, raise your hand if you saw this coming, right? Um, I mean, he was, I mean, he was awesome as a player. Don't get me wrong, but I didn't see this.
0: Yeah, it was like, it, and it was, was like phenomenal. Steph Curry versus John Wall to make the team. Like that. Yeah, like that, yeah, that yeah. that's it was, what it was yeah. at that time.
2: That's what I'm saying. Um, you know, Chauncey Billups was on that team. Yep. You know, it was just so many great players. But like I've said, I mean, just think about that. Three out of your, Three out of your top four guards all ended up being MVPs. <laughs> just think about that: Steph Curry, back-to-back MVP, Russell, Derek, Kevin Durant. They're all on the same team. Like, wow! Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I mean, they're, they're, and imagine being in that gym. And it, it was just unbelievable to watch these guys what they ended up becoming. So. You know, that was a phenomenal, phenomenal time. And uh I'm so happy for all of those guys. And you know what, to all the young people that are listening, you know, there's a reason those guys are still here, because they're professional. And
0: right? it goes and it goes back to the impact that you were talking about. They they ultimately are there to win. Brooke Lopez could have been easily defensive player of the year this year. Yes, I mean, he-, he had such a great season. You know, Kevin Love goes to Miami. He's immediately playing in the playoffs. He's having an impact. Russell Westbrook, you know, he was getting called Westbrook, and now he's yep. getting called Hustle Westbrook. You know what I mean? Like, he's got – he's flipped the whole narrative about himself early on in this series. I'm so happy for him, right? So, all, all these guys. And then you got Steph Curry, who is just coming off uh, another championship, his fourth championship. So, you talk about he, he, that level of player. I mean, These it, it, guys it, have been, right, these guys been, been unbelievable.
2: And, you know, one thing about Russell – you know, is is Russell is a unique player. He's unique because, you know, I I remember watching Russell play at UCLA and he wasn't the starting point guard.
0: Yeah, Darren Collison.
2: Darren Collison was there. Mm -hmm. And it's one thing about Russell that not from a media perspective, but to someone who is, you know, that watches the game, when I say watches the game, you know, there's, you're, you're, you're a little above the casual fan. You know what I mean? Like you could be a fan, but then there's that person who's like actually trying to understand why, you know, it's easy to say, man, why, why, man that, that was a bad call that the coach made or that, why did he, ha-? but then when you understand the game, you start saying, oh, that's why he did that. Now, sometimes they work, sometimes they don't, but there's two things. There's two principles that you got to have as a professional athlete that are just non-negotiable, right? If I ever coached take, there's two things that has happened in this league since 1946 that are non-negotiable. One, there's no excuse that you can give me or give the team to not work hard. Like, I don't care what happens, not working hard. That's non-negotiable. Okay. Being selfish. That's non-negotiable, right? Right? So hardworking and being unselfish are the two things that are, you can't compromise. You can say whatever you want to about Russell's decision-making. Okay, that's, that's an opinion, right? You can say maybe his shot needs to improve. That's fair. But let me tell you something. From the moment I met Russell Westbrook, he has always respected the game. No one. Can say that man doesn't work hard. Okay. No one. And, and let me tell you something. He's not just doing that when that light is on. That's how he works every moment, every day I've ever seen him come to the gym. That's a fact. Okay. Let me let's get that out. Now, all the other things that's been said, that's just people talking. And they got the right to talk. Everyone's got a job to do. You and I, right now, in the media, right now. We, okay, we got to talk. We understand. But no one can question that man's work ethic. He's the hardest, one of the hardest working players I've ever seen. And no one can question his unselfishness and commitment to the game. He's trying to win. He may not make all of the decisions that you say, oh, man, maybe you should have passed it when when he shot it or whatever the case may be. All right, that's fair. That's fair. That's fair criticism. But he respects the game. And that, my friend, is what makes him a phenomenal player. This guy is guarding Kevin Durant last night at 6'3, 6'4. He's competing at on every play. And that's what I love about him. And 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 we get lost in all of the people talking about the game, but when you look at the game, you can't you, those are two things that are non-negotiable: to be the hardest worker, you got to work hard every time you walk on, on the floor, and to be unselfish. And he respects that, and that's why he's in the league now. And hopefully for him, he'll play another three, four, five years because the way he's playing since he's got to, to to the Clippers, I don't know how many teams couldn't use a guard that could rebound and block shots and defend multiple positions like him. And he's found his niche. He's, but he's always been, and, 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 and he wouldn't say this, but I'm going to say this. Russell has an incredible belief in himself, which if you don't know him, it could come off as arrogance. He has incredible in belief in himself, like all great players do, right? They're very prideful individuals. I've never made a great player who didn't. They all express it differently, but they have an incredible amount of pride. This is the first time I've ever seen Russell defer to a player in Kawhi Leonard. This is the first time in 15 years I've seen him defer to another player. To me, that says something about Kawhi Leonard.
0: Right. That's my big takeaway, I, too. Like, he, he yeah, has settled into being the second guy I, currently until PG I, comes back.
2: I've never seen Russell defer to to another player because
0: he surely didn't in Oklahoma City, he didn't in Washington. I, I, I'm just he telling what I've seen, in, yeah, exactly.
2: And that's to, this is what this is why I have to always watch, and this is why I have to always say, Scout, I've never seen Russell willingly defer to another player mm. the way he's deferring to Kawhi Leonard. And let me tell you something, and I understand why he's deferring to Kawhi Leonard because Kawhi Leonard, <laughs> oh hey, I was just talking to a to a, to a a, a, a a former colleague of mine that played in the NBA, and we both said this. I don't know how good he would have been, but I know he would have been a star in any era that he played in. I was just, and this guy's a Hall of Fame player. Kawhi Leonard is really, really, really good. I mean, like, I mean he, he he's like, you know how you say like old school? No, he's just classic. I don't care what era. That guy gets to that mid-range, that's money. He just, he just you know, he's strong, he's athletic, and his ball-handling skills, okay? Coach Sir said something to me last night. Brendan Sir, who coached for many years with the Detroit Pistons, he said, I know it's not fair to say this, but he might be the most improved player in the NBA this year. Because his ball-handling ability, from when he came into this league till now, He's a totally different player because he can get to his spots now. Mm. And, and think about that. This guy was already an all-star, but watching him now come off an ACL injury and ascend back to the level that he was playing at prior to the injury is a that's incredible. Take, that doesn't happen all the time. You always say, well, he might have lost something, or well, you know, he he's about 90% of where he used to be, okay? Kawhi Leonard is playing at the same level. I would even argue he might be better than the player that was in Toronto.
0: Right now. He's more polished. Yeah, yeah
2: his, that's what I'm saying. It's really, it's really like kind of like no one's saying it. But when you watch him take, like I'm really going to watch him the next game because Kevin Durant and him playing right now. If, if he's, if Kevin Durant is 1A, let's say he's 1A or Giannis is 1A. This guy's got to be one B. <laughs> There's no two with him. It's that close with these guys now. Giannis, Kevin Durant, uh, Kawhi Leonard. These guys are playing different right now. Okay? And Kawhi Leonard, I agree with Coach Sir. He might be playing better than he was before he got injured. Mm. certainly he's better now. I can say that. He's better now
0: than he was in Toronto. There you go. Uh, One last thing before I let you out of here, BJ. This is, uh, I see this happening in the basketball media sphere all the time. I see these headlines and it's always, you know, you talked about, you know, great players have a sense of pride, right? There's a certain pride and they express it differently. But I see the the Isaiah Thomas, Michael Jordan, the back and forth Hmm. all the time. And I, you know, I don't want to focus on that. I want to focus on the other two guards in the backcourt because I think that relationship is fascinating to me. And that's you and Joe Dumars. Who are obviously in, you guys were in those battles together. You got Isaiah and Michael. They're they're going at each other's throats all the time. And then meanwhile, you and Joe Dumars are like best uh, friends. And I, and I feel uh, like nobody ever talks about that fact. And the the other fact is that Joe Dumars and Michael Jordan are so close. And in fact, one of you know Joe Dumars' sons. You know, shout out to Jordan Dumars, right? So I mean, right, right. It, it is very funny to me every time I see those headlines. And then I know you, and I know Joe Dumars. So I, I just wanted to focus a little spotlight on the love that happens between the bad boys. Yeah. And the Bulls.
2: Yeah, you know, you know, you I'm 55 now, and <laughs> <laughs> when you get in your 50s, Tate, you know, you, you, you know, what I did in my 20s. Some of the things I want to remember, but I can't remember, and some of the things I just don't want. I just want to forget them. You know what I mean? And you know, Tate, I, I learned this one of my first or second year in the league. It's just one word and it stuck with me. Now, I do remember this word from my 20s. And that word is whatever. (laughs) Okay, whatever. You know, we played hard, Tate. And we played hard on the court. And we played hard off the court. (laughs) Okay, Tate. Hey, Tate. You you know, at 55, Tate, I had a good run. I had a good run at it on the court and had a good run off the court. And whatever those guys are talking about, Tate, Whatever, and I don't know who's talking <laughs> it, and it doesn't really matter to me who's talking. You know what, Tate? <laughs> because, hey, man, you know, it, I I I I got to keep it moving. Tate, I got to keep it moving. Like, I would love to think, Tate, that you know I made every shot. I didn't. I would love to think, Tate, that I had you know every game. I could you know we tend to remember all the things that we did well. Tate, I missed more shots than I made. You know, I don't know where my career stands as far as wins and losses, but I did know this is about my career is that I showed up and sometimes, Tate, I did good. Sometimes I didn't, but I always wanted to do good. And that's the most important thing. And anything that happened in between there was an opportunity to learn and figure out some things about myself. But I can say this, Tate, my most valuable lessons that I learned as a basketball player Is when I lost. And I cherish, as crazy as this sounds, Tate, because everyone always wants to talk to me about what was it like to win? What was it like to win a championship? But truthfully, Tate, and I've never said this before, but I'm going to share it with you. I learned far more things in my losses in my career than I ever did when I won. And I owe that in part to the Pistons because they were the one team that stood in my way, and they beat us every year. And all the other people that I ever lost to, because I tried to win, Tate, I, that was like, like I, I wasn't like, oh man, we lost because, oh man, the, the refs or whatever. No, I lost because that night Tate was better than me. However, Tate, when I see you the next time, I'm gonna try to knock your head off. <laughs> That's the era we grew up in. So I learned so much from everybody that I lost to, And I owe them that because those are the lessons, Tate, that you find out who you really are. I love to compete. Was I the best player? No. Was I the fastest player? No. But Tate, nothing, I I haven't found anything more enjoyable than saying, hey, Tate is my guy that I messed up with tonight and I'm going to win my matchup. Man, Tate, I, I can't think of anything better than that. Like, I'm going to play against Tate and we got a we got a game within the game, and I know my team is dependent on me to win that matchup versus you. And Tate, that is what I love more than anything. So all this other stuff, eh? At fifty-five, Tate, my memory's so short now. I don't care. And I got a word for everything in my life, whatever. And I do what I want to do. Tate calls me, my wife, she, she, my problems that I have. They'll be they'll be waiting for me when I get done with this. <laughs> It's like, whatever. Tate called. Well, we got to go this. We got to take the kids to school. Well, whatever. I got to do this with Tate. And then when I get done, they'll be there. So that's where I'm at, Tate. It's always good to be here. You call me. I'm there. And you know what? So whatever those guys are talking about, I can't even hear anymore. Yeah. You know, we're, I'm old. I don't,
0: we're, yeah. we're just tuning out. Uh, he is BJ Armstrong. BJ, thanks so much for coming on the show. We have to have you back. We'll tell more stories. I always enjoy talking Absolutely. basketball with you. We got, a, we got a great playoffs ahead. And I, you know, if I learn anything reading between the lines today, it's Kawhi Leonard. I think Kawhi Leonard oh, has your attention. yeah, yeah. He,
2: Tate, Tate. He, he, <laughs> take, he, take, he take that Tate. You know, I, I got to say this to you. Because all of, I know my more experienced listeners would be saying, well, he, he, he's load managing and all these things. That may be true. <laughs> <laughs> that may be true. Okay, you know, and, and, you know, we're not going to get into the load managing thing. But let me tell you something though, Tate. The guy must know something. Because he's showing up, Tate, in a big way. And I'm going to tell you, I can tell the way the players are playing against him. Like, no one talks trash to him, first of all. And the guy just shows up and he's, he's clutch, man. Mm. You, you know what I mean? Tate, he's clutch. I mean, tate, he, he he's shooting over Kevin Durant. He shoot over everybody. He just get to his spot, score, and just run back down on the other end. Take the ball from you if you're not careful. Just doesn't matter who he plays with either, Tate. You know, all right, Paul George is there. Great. He still wins. He's not there. He still wins. Goes to Toronto. Still wins. Goes to San Antonio. Still wins. I mean, the guy is like, no, yeah, okay, we can talk about the load management. But when he gets on that Florida tape, watch out. Hey, shh. hey, hey, <laughs> hey. the claw, baby. <laughs> so this has been fun. So uh, I'm excited. So fun. I may even go to a Clipper game
0: in the playoffs. How about that? Tate? There you go. That, that, that's the news right there. We'll get that aggregated for you. BJ Armstrong might be at a Clippers game. He is BJ Armstrong. Thanks so much for coming on the show, man.
2: Thank you, Tay. I appreciate it.
0: All right, there you have it. Wow, BJ Armstrong going hard on the court and off the court. Um, This is one of my mentors in the basketball world. And, uh, you know, we we hadn't caught up in quite some time, and uh, that was a lot of fun. And maybe it was a little bit of a reminiscing down the road a little bit, but uh I, I did you enjoy that, Kyle? Did you expect that from BJ? That was hilarious. I enjoy, I hope there's some video that comes out of this.
1: Um just watching you try to keep your shit together as uh as you get compliments from an NBA legend. That was uh Right. That was I mean I mean they like we were one step away from all shucks. I mean it was I like. mean they like to
0: pull <laughs> clips of me that aren't so flattering sometimes. Like maybe I send these in. Maybe I'm like, hey BJ Armstrong said I had handles and he said I was a genius. Yeah does
1: fan don't need a branded video yeah, like, right. I right let's get this. something
0: out there. I mean I need some sort of promotion. Um I don't think anyone has ever said that something that nice about me on the air. So that's great. Uh, great to have BJ on the show. That was a lot of fun. We did not talk about the playoffs, <laughs> really, at all. <laughs> Kawhi Leonard, baby. Kawhi Leonard, I guess, is a big takeaway. Even though the the Suns are still favored to win the Western Conference, if you look at the FanDuel Sportsbook right now. So they are the favorites. Um, you know, So that's a little bit fascinating because in BJ's mind, Kawhi Leonard has his attention. But again, they're playing the Suns, who are supposed to win the West, I don't know. Something's gotta happen there, something's gotta give. So, something to watch in general. Um, Speaking of watching things, Through the Ringer is a TV show that we're working on right now, and that's happening on Tuesdays uh, and Thursdays. And uh, it's been a lot of fun doing that. We we did a show earlier with Waz had had a nice little conversation about what's going on in the NBA. So if you're looking for playoff content, right? We got the Ringer NBA show. We got the Ringer Gambling Show where they're doing sort of the odds, right, and, and sort of the best value picks. We had Raheem Palmer come on the show and talk about the boxing uh, that's happening this weekend. I don't know much about boxing, Kyle. Uh, these days, I know you can fake the funk though. I I, I am out here faking the <laughs> funk, unlike anyone else has ever seen. In fact, Chris Ryan was talking to me today. I brought in. Uh, Weirdly, me and BJ didn't talk about this. BJ is a, a Star Wars fanatic. Like, he is the biggest Star Wars fan. And I loved The Mandalorian Season 1. And for Christmas a couple years ago, he got me a Mandalorian helmet. Like a solid one. A too. real one. Not a like r- one you pick up in a Target. A real Mandalorian. Yeah. This is a guy who goes to George Lucas's house for brunch. You know what I mean? He sat next to Larry David at a George Lucas brunch, right? This is BJ. That's how big of a Star Wars guy he is. I brought in the helmet. I run into Chris Ryan. Chris Ryan, our, you know, I mean, our expert on everything, really. If you're not a Chris Ryan fan, get out of my face, right? That's that's <laughs> right. You just get out of my face. But I have a Mandalorian helmet. Chris Ryan is like, what are you talking about the Mandalorian? I'm like, I haven't seen season three. He's like, and you're going to go on the show and talk about the Mandalorian? And, you know, eyebrows raised. He was concerned for me. Um, I was concerned also when I saw his concern level. <laughs> uh, luckily, we didn't talk about the Mandalorian on Through the Ringer today. So it all worked itself out. But uh, yeah, we're faking the funk. We're having fun. Uh, we're talking about sports and pop culture and all types of things. I mean, I, I, I will get caught up on anything that I need to. Um, and that's what we're going to do on the show. Um, so that's been a lot of fun. Again, the NBA playoffs. My big takeaway so far is Hustle Westbrook. I'm falling in love with him. Uh, I already loved Russell Westbrook. In fact, when Bill Simmons hired me uh, the first week, he asked me, he said, what player in the NBA are you going to work like? And I told him Russell Westbrook. Um, And upon review, I didn't really, you know, I didn't know Bill's. I mean, I think Bill likes Russell Westbrook. But when I said that answer, he gave me the most bewildered look of like, that was not the right answer. I probably should have said Steph Curry because I do love Steph Curry. Um, but it, that always sticks in my mind where the, the Russell Westbrook's career weirdly feels connected to my career. And I need Russell Westbrook to get it together. Um, cause I know bill that burns in the back of his mind. He's like, Tate told me he's Russell Westbrook. Look at this guy, <laughs> you know? So that's, that's something that I'm keeping an eye on. It's a lot of fun. Shout out to the Knicks Cav series. Also, I was going to talk about that. Um, Jalen Brunson is the most lovable player in the NBA. And uh, as BJ just told us, he likes guys that like to win. Jalen Brunson has won at every single level. This guy won two national championships. He won a national championship as a freshman point guard on Villanova. I feel like that gets underrated a little bit. We had a bit on uh, on Titus and Tate where we joked about, yeah, we you know,
1: oh right, no, th- this is. <laughs> you think he remembers p- all the shit he used to talk
0: about? <laughs> I, I I hardly remember anything I've said, but we we, we used to have a bit on the show, and this is on One Shining Podcast, right? This is this is still we're back here. Yeah. Uh, the bit is basically, you know, who's the best player on the 2018 Villanova team? Is it Mikael Bridges? Is it Dante Divincenzo? Is it Jalen Brunson? Is it choose your fighter, someone else on the bench that you thought might be the best player? Um, I definitively can say for sure, for certain, it's either Mikel Bridges or Jalen Brunson. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure which one it is. Both guys are playing great in the playoffs right now. So one of those two guys you pick. I like DiVincenzo. I thought he was the most important player, but I don't think he was the best player. We can argue about that uh, at a different date. But. I'm watching that series. I like what the Cavs did in game two. I'm excited to see basketball, playoff basketball in MSG. That's going to be a lot of fun. So those are my big picture NBA thoughts. We got a lot of time to talk NBA. Again, on Tuesday, we'll have Kyle Mann back. We'll break down what we're seeing in the playoffs. You know, some of the big picture stuff that's coming out of the series so far. Some of the bigger stars. Um, some college basketball stuff that we should hit. Just, oh, yeah. Remember that? Right. College <laughs> basketball exists. Um, and a lot of people want to throw it to the side. And I won't do that. I will not be privy to this. I got a Bronny update. Uh, I need like a siren or like some sort of music. I'll or get maybe like for you. A, a you know that video of LeBron with two chains when they're listening to that horrible album he <laughs> A&R'd? Like maybe use some of that two chains music. I'm sure it's like out there for free. Uh,
1: I don't know. Universal Music Group's been in the news. I don't think I want to fuck around. Okay, we, we have don't a never mind. UMG. <laughs> uh, leave off us off sound library. Leave us a cease and desist. It'll be our way. It'll have already happened. You'd be like, wow, that was wow. a wow.
0: What a time. Uh, Bronny update. News on uh, – or, or word on the street uh, from my sources when it comes to Bronny is that USC is imminent. USC is going to be the pick, and it's not Bronny's pick, and that is kind of the the real tea in the story. Um, not that Bronny doesn't want to go to USC, but it seems like the powers that be <clears> – <throat> I'm not sure who the powers that be are, but the powers that be uh, – who knows? Who's to say who the powers that be are? They're saying he's going to go to USC. He's going to play with Isaiah Collier, who is the number one player in the 2023 class. Uh, ESPN just put out their final list of uh, of the 2023 class. He's officially number one. He was the best player in the Nike Hoop Summit. He's been the best player I've seen in high school, in my opinion. Um, maybe Mbako is right there as another guy um, that a lot of people ha- have been high on. Ron Holland. If I ever had a... Um, Sign me up and guarantee he's going to be an NBA player. Not necessarily an NBA star, but an NBA player. Ron Holland, who's number two uh, in the 2020, 2023 class, he's going to go to Texas. He is that guy for me. Um, Bronny is not a five-star. There are 17 five-stars in this class. Bronny's not one of them. But Bronny will be going to USC uh, by all accounts. But, but there is a slim shot, a very, very slim shot, That Bronny James gets his wishes, and he is able to go to Oregon or Ohio State. Apparently, he is willing to go to either one of those. Those are his choices. So Bronny has his choices, and then there's the actual decision that has already been made for him. And the decision is USC. He did play well with Collier um, off the ball with him. He kind of was a spot-up shooter. So I like that combination at USC. It's good for Andy Enfield. It's good for content, right? We're right here in our backyard. I'll go to USC games. It'll be great. Um, so brownie update. There you go. That's happening. And again, like I said, ESPN put out their final rankings for the 2023 class. That's always uh interesting. Uh, and you know, Kyle Mann will talk about this more, but you got Justin Edwards, number three, Kentucky guy, DJ Wagner, number four, Kentucky guy, Aaron Bradshaw, number six, Kentucky guy. Uh, are you getting a the theme here, guys? Number 14, Robert Dillingham, Kentucky guy. So as much as John Calipari is getting roasted. He's back. Uh and he and he's <laughs> right in our faces. And he's still doing what he does. He's still getting five-star kids. So uh you can you can hate the player, but don't hate the game. And the game continues for Kentucky. They're getting guys coming in. So shout out to them. Um, all right, a few more shout-outs before we get out of here. Again, college basketball, it's happening. Shout out Zach Eady, Zach Eady, our guy from the Wooden Awards. Okay, Andre. Andre the Giant, Edie the Giant. He is Declaring, he's putting his name, he's testing the waters, right? We yes, love this term. Waters. He is testing the waters. He is going to put his feet in to the NBA draft. He's going to see how it feels, uh, but he is still available to return to Purdue. If I had to put my crystal ball projections, predictions, whatever you want to call it, on what Edie's going to do, I think we're about he comes back to Purdue. We're around 80%. So Purdue fans, don't worry. I think he'll be back. But that that was big news that he is going to uh, test the waters. Not a sure thing. The Wooden Award winner will be back in college basketball. Another weird shout out. This is a a shocking and wacky shout out, which is one of our favorites in college basketball. Santa Clara, a great program. uh, The place where Steve Nash played college basketball, in case you didn't know. They put out a tweet yesterday, Kyle, that said, putting in the work in the classroom, hashtag stampede ahead. And it was a graphic that they made, homegrown graphic. And it said, Winter term, team GPA, colon 2.98. And uh, I, it got me. It's a C plus, right. so it's, it's passing. Say, yeah. It's passing, um, which we respect on this program. That seems like a fine print situation, not necessarily a headline. You know, I don't know. It's it's one of those things where I think it's fine to put the tweet out. I really do. I think it's fine to say, hey, this is this is what our winter term GPA was, you know? But I think the putting in the work was wearing <laughs> three people off, right? Because you see putting in the work, you naturally jump to a conclusion. And maybe that's on us. Maybe we shouldn't jump to conclusions. <laughs> but it's happened. But I'm it happened. We jumped to a conclusion. And then it's one thing to just tweet colon the, the GPA. But then to have a situation, right, where... You make a graphic. It's just a little too much. But shout out to Santa Clara. They're passing. Things are happening. And a final shout out college basketball wise. This is one near and dear to my heart. Kansas transfer MJ Rice from my hometown of Henderson, North Carolina. He's going to NC State, Kyle. He announced today he's going to be a, a Wolfpack playing for Kevin Keats. Goes back home to North Carolina. And look, I talk about tampering on this show. And I have to, I have to be honest when I'm tampering. I tried my best to get this man to North Carolina. I tampered all over the place. I was, I was, I was tampering left tampered and right so hard. I was texting. I was tampering. I was trying to do what I could. Shout out to to his uncle Justin, my boy. We did our best. Oh, you were you were reaching out to his uncle. Uh, that's my boy. Oh, we went okay. to high school together. All right, all right. We, were, we were doing our best. And look, MJ Rice, when he was just a, a a small kid, he was at the local YMCA in Henderson, North Carolina, putting in the work in the gym. His dad's working hard with him, so. In general, love to see it. Happy to see it. Uh, The state people out there that think that I don't don't like NC State or that I'm just a Carolina homer, get over it. It's a bit. I'm going to be pulling for NC State, you know what I mean, with my boy MJ Rice. So I hope they have a great season. Also, J. Cole. If J. Cole can be an NC State and a Carolina fan, why can't I? Um, That checks out. That checks out, right. Why can't I I pull for NC State? I love public schools. I'm a public school guy at heart. Private school kids are always jerks to me, so I don't like them and uh, and I'll stick by it. But if you are a private school guy and you're nice, maybe I'll get over it. And maybe you can be an NC State fan too. Who knows? MJ Rice, that's my guy. Shout out to him. Um, shout out to BJ Armstrong for coming on the show. In fact, once upon a time, Kyle, here's a nice little story time for you. J. Cole's people I reached out to them to try to get J. Cole a workout for the Detroit Pistons via (laughs) B.J. Armstrong. In fact, I got J. Cole's people in contact with B.J. Armstrong, and B.J. got him a private workout with the Pistons. There
1: is a couple years there where he really wanted everybody to know he could play basketball. You know what J.
0: Cole said? There's only 12 slots on the Pistons. That was personal experience. (laughs) He was like, wow, there's a lot of good basketball players out here. Um, I should have talked to B.J. about that, but that... That was some of the fun that I used to have with BJ back in the day. This is what happens when you have powerful agents around you. You tamper and uh, you just, you just throw out ideas to the wind and you see what happens. So, uh, I've been, shout out
1: to those times. I've been since, I mean, it's, it's been a while. I've been thinking about this the whole time. I'm writing down what I wrote about BJ's life philosophy here. Right. So he says, go hard on the court. Right. Go hard off the court. Right. If you can't do one of those, give up the other one. So how do I apply that to my life? If, if, if so, I, so if you're, I'm not having you're a you're not going to drink, hard on the court, right? I mean, I'd say. I mean, I think we're doing pretty well. I'm okay, seven eight pods a week. You're saying. I'm just saying. I'm trying to apply figuratively. This. We're on the court right I'm, now. I'm extrapolating and putting myself in there. Right. If the you're, court. You're, you're the man in the arena right now. The court. Spotify. Okay. Off the court would be frolic room. Well, I mean, sure. Um, if I'm if I don't have enough time for frolic room, I should give up Spotify,
0: or is that yes. not what he's saying? No, that's what he's saying. Okay, that's what I he's thought. Sa- he's saying be the best you. You know, he's saying wherever you thrive, right. be there, right. go there. It doesn't make a ton of sense, but
1: the man's a champion. Who am I to uh, to to uh, argue with him? So uh, maybe I'll see you next week. Maybe I just fucking won't, buddy. <laughs> I mean, go hard. That's all I can say I'm is go, go hard.
0: hard. Uh, don't go home. Just continue <laughs> to go hard. Also, like. He suddenly gave a nice, you know, like in a world where the old guard in the NBA seemingly hates the new guard in the NBA, and you see it in the media, right? There are a lot of spats that happen between them. That was kind of a, a nice tip of the cap that BJ kind of alluded to the fact that D Rose, Russell, Russell Westbrook and KD go hard. You know what I mean? Which is, <laughs> yeah. And I always liked those guys and I didn't really know why. <laughs> I always knew there was something. I, I to... read between the lines, like those guys go hard and they get it done. And yeah. uh, I, I like that. That I was li- my favorite part of the pod. If right. anyone was wondering. Right. Go hard. Off the court, on the court, just in general. That's all we can do out there. Um, Anything else, Kyle? I feel like that's all the shout outs. I mean, shout out to Spotify for housing us for this podcast. That's always nice.
1: Yeah, shout out to everybody coming in the office now. I mean, we started
0: out. Did we start something, by the way? Well, that's what we're going to say. I think I'm a culture shifter. I I came into this office. I mean, back in the day, people called me the ringer mascot, and they did it as a. uh, It wasn't nice. It wasn't a compliment. (laughs) Let's just be honest. Um, but I, I think now, like we started coming in and there was no one here. I mean, we, t- we talked about it on the podcast. It was a ghost town. Yeah. We had tumbleweed going through <laughs> the I, office. I
1: had to, I had to w- run around the office with my arms up just to turn the lights on. Right. For
0: 20 minutes. We would just walk
1: into different offices cause we could. I was just seeing where my key card worked, you know? Yeah. So I was like, Hey dude, there's a
0: pool table on the second floor. There's they got, a got ping better pong table back here. <laughs> they got pomegranate seeds down here. <laughs> like, I mean, and now today I walk in the office, I'm seeing familiar faces everywhere. Offices are taken. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Seats are taken. There's a bit of politics. Go- I mean, there's a bit of
1: like who can get there and put their bag down. Right. first. It basically turned into the college library with the best tables. Absolutely. So I mean, Spotify's got that policy where nobody has an office, but it's really just get there first, put your bag down. And now
0: you've got the huge 20 person conference room just for you. First fight <laughs> happens. I feel like eventually with all these people in the office, because like you said, no one has their own designated space, which kind of creates honestly a great even playing field. And uh, like you said, a lot of politics that go on, I can sit anywhere. As long as I have a seat, just give me a seat. I'm okay. (laughs) We like the little booth. There's like a, I mean, maybe one day the ringer will put out like a video of the space. It's It's worth seeing. It's really something. It really is. Like, and I, and I say that with all humility. I mean, it's insane what it's turned into because you remember this. The ringer was at one time at Bill's pool house. I mean, you know, like that's, that's where this operation was. But, uh, It's a great setup. Shout out to Spotify. Shout out to the state of the art studio that we're in right now. Shout out to all the people at the ringer that are coming into the office because of Kyle and I. Um, (laughs) We don't we we don't want to uh, to take credit, but we will because we I guess we have to at this point. Um, But yeah, it's been great. And uh, it's the NBA playoffs everyone's around. We got the NFL draft next week. Uh, Speaking of next week, Michael Lombardi will be back as our guest uh, on Wednesday, doing a little draft preview. We're going to have some of the ringer NFL guys in town for through the ringer. And uh, if you're a one shining podcast fan, which I hope you are, if you're listening right now, next Tuesday, we got our guy our next Monday night. I mean, I say Tuesday because of the the time zones and things like that, but next Monday night, you're going to get a new one shining podcast with myself and Kyle Mann. Every single Monday night, it's coming to you, hot and fresh, straight out of the pod deck. So all good things are happening. Again, this is One Shining Podcast. Thanks to everybody tuning in. We're having fun in the off season. We got some great guests ahead. It's going to be a lot of fun. And we will see you on Monday.